Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Darina Gilmore Young. And I'm Sean Young. And you're listening to episode 10 of Walk Run Soar, a podcast about the intersection of faith and running. We help runners and walkers who lack purpose with their exercise routine or lack of routine and long to experience God in a more meaningful way while they walk or run. Today, we are interviewing the Diaz brothers from McFarland High School, a small farming town in Central California. Three of the brothers were highlighted in the McFarland USA movie that you may have seen put out by Disney a number of years ago. They talked to us about how their father, Coach White, and Jesus have influenced their lives. Through running, they have been able to see the world. Friends, thanks for tuning into our podcast. We are here to run with you, to pace you, and to inspire you with weekly devotionals, scripture, interviews, and quick coaching tips in about the time it'll take you to go for a short run or walk. So pop in your earbuds and listen in. Each week, I'll be starting off by sharing a short word of encouragement from scripture to give you a cool drink of living water before we go into our interview time. And today, I wanted to talk about the idea of trusting your coach. Through the years, I have had the privilege of having several coaches who have been very influential in my life. And I often think about how I have learned something from each one of them. In the Walk, Run, Soar devotional, I talk about my coach from high school, Tony Churchill. We fondly called him Church, and he was both my soccer coach and my track and field coach. And Tony was the type of guy who could get you to work hard. He would often make me work out with the guys on our team and run farther than even some of the other girls were running because he knew that I had that endurance and he knew that I needed that challenge. Tony was also the type of guy who slipped me a little piece of paper that would have a Bible verse written on it before a race. And he was the type of coach who would pray over me. And so he was very influential in my life, especially as I was a young person. After college, I moved to Central California. I was a newspaper reporter during that time. And it's also during that season of life that I met my late husband, Eric Lee Gilmore. He was a leader of the group at our church that I was a part of for young singles. And I ended up going on this mission trip with him to Haiti, along with several other people, including Sean. Through that experience, I got to see that Eric Lee was an amazing coach. He coached all of us as we were coaching the kids in Haiti, putting on a track and field camp. Well, fast forwarding the story a little bit, we got married in 2003. And one of the things I loved about Eric Lee is that he was not only my partner in marriage, but he was also my trusted coach. He helped coach me to the finish line of my very first marathon and subsequently several different marathons and half marathons that we ran together. He often knew what my body could handle more than I knew myself. And so as he would make my workouts, I I learned to trust him. I learned to follow the things that he put down for me. Now, my most recent coach 
is my husband, Sean. And what I love about Sean is that he's a little different type of coach. He's not the type of coach who has that loud sort of military voice who's going to be screaming in your ear, but he definitely has a way of motivating people. And I know even some of my friends who have been coached by Sean know that he's going to come alongside them when they are struggling and he's going to encourage them. And even in our book, we see evidence of Sean's coaching um, through the coaching tips at the end of the book. He has put together some workout plans for running a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. And those are great examples of the type of coaching that Sean does. He's very detailed in putting together workouts and thinking about what will be best for getting an athlete to the finish line. So I have learned to trust Sean as my coach as well. And that's something that's really important. If you have a coach to be able to trust that they have your best interest in mind. When I look at the Bible, I see that that word trust is used all throughout. And as I did a little research, I discovered that the word trust actually shows up more than 160 times through the Bible. This concept of trust is actually a really integral part of the Christian faith. And so when we trust someone, it means that we put our hope and our confidence in that person. It means we believe in them and we rely on them. So God invites us to trust him like a coach on life's trails. And he doesn't promise that the path is going to be without hills or challenges or curves, but he does say that he will guide us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible that really displays this is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. That reminds us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes that's easier said than done. And often, if I'm honest, I'm just longing for God to give me maybe a preview, a little bit of an understanding of what the details are of the scenario. But he doesn't always give that to us. And we have to just trust him. One of the things that I do when I am struggling with trust is that I go back to remember, Mm. to think about those times God has proved trustworthy to me in the past, and that gives me confidence to trust him in the future. So friends, I want to just urge you today to look back, to think about those times where God has been present for you, maybe to make a list. This is one of the ways that we can continue to build our trust as we follow God as our coach. For this week, I want to just urge you to write down Proverbs 3 and 5, verse 5. Let those words guide you and just see what unfolds as you trust God to be your coach. We are here with Diego, David, Danny, and Demacio Diaz. You may have known some of them from the McFarlane USA movie, which was released by Disney in 2015. Now, these gentlemen all have won a number of state titles, cross-country state championship titles at McFarland High School, which is a small farming town in Central California. We're going to talk with them today about how running intersects with their faith. 
Thank you for joining us. I am excited to get to know you a little bit more. So I'm wondering if you could introduce yourselves and if you would be willing to share kind of how you spend your days now. What is, what's your profession or anything else that you would like to share? Hello, uh, my name is David Diaz. I'm the oldest of the uh, Diaz brothers and I, I spend my days as a school administrator at a, at a correctional facility here in Delano at North Kern State Prison. So there's a, a school there that uh, we're administrator at and education is very, very important in our family, very, very passionate about education. And I'm also a wannabe farmer and I also uh, continue running. I'm a father of four girls and happily married. Fantastic. So you're a girl daddy too. <laughs> we have three daughters. And uh, I am uh, Danny Diaz. I am the second oldest uh, of the, uh, all the well, we have six brothers and one sister. So we have a large family. I am a school counselor at McFarland High School, the same, the same school where we won the, the state titles. And so I, I am lucky to work at McFarland High School. I've been there for 25 years in education. Education is very important. I have seven children and I have five in college presently. Oh, so, word. Uh, wow. Congratulations. Absolutely. And then it's a challenge, but if my parents could do it, I, I, I can do it as well. <laughs> my name is Demacio Diaz. I'm the third oldest in our family. I was a police officer for 20 years. I now work with my father. My father is a farmer and owes, he owns a general labor contracting company. And so I work with him and I'm his assistant. And uh, I have six children, four girls and two boys. We own a small ranch and uh, a cattle ranch and some farms. And so we spend our days working out in the, out in the field with the animals and the, uh, the trees. Awesome. awesome. I'm Diego Diaz, and I'm the fourth brother, and I am an adapted PE teacher in Delano, and I have four boys, no girls in my family. <laughs> and so, yeah, I spend my days working and running and sometimes running with my boys, which is probably the best time of uh, day for me. Yeah, and I met Diego Diaz at the Bakersfield Marathon last November. Now it was about mile seven or eight when I'm just running along. Then all of a sudden, I remember Diego rolling up next to me and I look at him and he seemed to be going at a pretty good clip. So I just tried to hang on for as long as I could. And eventually he uh, started to separate me on a big hill about the halfway point. And so he finished a little bit in front of me. But while we were running together for a few miles, he told me he had just had brain surgery a couple months prior and really only ran about a long run up to about 10 miles before the marathon. And I was just stunned. And he was also wearing a shirt that said run to him. And so that kind of tipped me off that maybe he was a Christian. And so that's when we connected after the race and we got to talking a little bit more. Diego, can you tell us a little bit about just about how were you able to run a marathon so shortly after your surgery? Well, so I, I suffer from Meniere's disease. Meniere's disease is a disease that affects your inner ear nerves, which causes a lot of imbalance, vertigo, like severe vertigo. You can't really stand up at all. I lose complete you know, control of my body. And sometimes it takes me, you know, seven, eight hours before I can recover. 
I've been dealing with that for maybe six or seven years and it's been progressively getting worse. And so my doctor finally, you know, said, Hey, I think it's the best thing for you would be to get surgery to go into the brain and sever that um, nerve, that damaged nerve. That way it'll stop you from uh, getting dizzy all the time. Wow. So they went in, they cut my balance nerves on my right side. So I have no balance on the right side of my body. Or brains. <laughs> <laughs> After the surgery, I had to relearn how to walk. I was in bed for about a week and a half. I couldn't even move or get up. And then I, I couldn't walk because it's like, you know, half of my body wants to fall this way and there's a void over here. And so your, your brain has to relearn how to balance straight up. You know, it took me a while to get going. So be, right before the race, you know, I had only really been running maybe, maybe four weeks, you know. And so I was trying to build up to, to at least a long run, but like my longest run had been only 10 miles. But I have a lot of, you know, depth. I have a lot of depth to draw on. I'm an ultra marathon runner now. You know, I've done probably a dozen hundred mile runs. So, you know, I know how to suffer. I have a deep pocket to draw from, I guess you could say. So running a marathon, it really, I mean, I do that for training runs all the time. So it doesn't scare me. So I just jumped in and said, hey, let's, let's go for it and see what happens. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I was just so impressed by how strong you were throughout that marathon. <laughs> well, if that isn't a testament to muscle memory, I don't know what is. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Well, I wanted to ask all of you, it sounds like you all still have a practice of running. And Diego, you were sharing a little bit about yours with doing ultra marathons. I was wondering about the, the rest of you kind of how much you, you run currently. What does your running life look like? So currently I am coming off of uh, IR. So I do a little bit too much, too fast, and I get injured two or three times a year, and I suffer from plantar fasciitis. Oh. And so I, I can run for about three or four months, and then I'll get excited and start running fast, and I'll get injured. I'm coming off of that right now. I just finished a, a six-mile run a little while ago, and and I ran under eight minute pace for me. That that is pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. And so I, I could still hang with the girls around here locally with our girls cross country team. And I, I really, really enjoy running still. And I enjoy to race once in a while as well. Did and you see your daughters run as well? Yeah. All four of my daughters have ran. Two of them are currently on the high school team. And we help out as an assistant there at the high school team. Thomas Baez actually is the head coach for the the girls team. And so he's Thomas Baez. And he was one of the runners on that 1987 team. He's the currently the girls coach and I help him out. Two of my girls are on the team. I still enjoy running. And I still enjoy racing. Great. I, I run to the bathroom every day. <laughs> <laughs> the taco truck, uh, as well. I had, I actually, I had been running uh, a little bit, uh, two, three miles uh, every day, but about a month and a half ago, uh, Diego, maybe two months ago, Diego did a 40-mile uh, run, and I decided to go biking. I wanted to record it on YouTube and put it on yeah. I mean, uh, on the Facebook. I should have had a GoPro camera or something, but 
I, here I am trying to, and then with, I'm trying to record it. I took a spill and I broke my rib and uh, my, I, I, my ankles messed up a little bit. So I haven't ran in two months, but my daughter is running for CSUB, uh, Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, he's a senior there now. And then one of my sons, one of my twins ran for Bakersfield College as well. All of my kids have ran cross country for McFarland and have done well. And so we are just fortunate to, to have kids that, that like to run. Yeah, thank you, Danny. Demacio, are you running these days? No, not anymore. I, I think I haven't ran probably about a year. Last year, I was in pretty good shape, and I was running some shorter runs, some speed runs. But it's been about a year since I have ran anything at all. I'm just now working a lot, and so my, my day is pretty busy with work. I'm not so much running, not, not right now. Got it. Oh, there goes Brody. Brody, yeah, let's go for whatever he needs. <laughs> he, he's definitely my crew chief. I, I, I have to depend so much on Demacio because he, he he sets pretty much everything up logistically for me so that I don't have to deal with any of that stuff and I can just focus on my runs, you know. And so he's my crew chief. And so, yeah, so that's he plays the most probably the most important role, you know, in, in all of my races. I run and compete almost every day and I do a lot of races. I like I'm doing ultra marathons now. So, you know, my, my boys ran cross country for McFarland high school and I got two in college and they don't run anymore, but, but yeah, so our days are pretty much filled with uh, work and, and then run and then family time. Oh, wonderful. So how many state titles do you have collectively amongst all four of you? Probably all six of us is a better. Okay, so six of you, six brothers. My little brother Gabriel, he he was on three state championship teams. No, three. three. He was on three, and so he he kids around because we're in a movie, right? And we only won one state title, and then we (laughs) done. He won three, and he says, "How unfair." That you win one title and you're in a movie. I won three. <laughs> What's going on here? But yeah, collectively we we have uh, multiple state titles. We ran different years with Coach White and uh, McFarland as a team. Won nine state titles in, in 14 years. In a period of 14 years, we won nine. And I wanted to ask, what was it like to run for Coach White? I, I remember, I used to coach actually, I remember going out and kind of seeing him at some of the meets and just wondering what your experience was like. I, I ran for Coach White before the, the, the state, actually the competition started in 1987. I graduated in 1987. So Mr. White was not a cross country runner. So that's pretty accurate in the movie where, where the principal asks him, have you ever ran? And the answer is no. And the answer is no again. And that's accurate. He was a baseball, basketball guy. <laughs> but as a, as a sports freak, and he doesn't like to lose at anything, he learned how to coach cross country. And it's a very, very difficult sport to, to learn how to coach. You're constantly motivating. And so when he was coaching us, he was a very good coach. When, he's, when he was coaching my younger brothers and then towards the latter years in the 2000s, he became the greatest coach ever. Because he was able to mix a lot of theory and philosophy and hard work and spirituality into the mix. We didn't like to lose because of disappointment to him. We, we always ran for McFarland and we, we represent our family and God and the school. But most importantly, we didn't want to disappoint him. So for mm-hmm. me, it was to not let him down. 
So that was my experience with running with Coach White. And further, Mr. White played a huge role in our lives. All of our parents and all and on, on the runners of McFarland are primarily laborers, field workers, or people who work at an hourly wage. And Mr. White was kind of the person who filled that role that our parents couldn't fill because they're at work mm-hmm. and they couldn't miss work because if you miss work, you don't get paid. And so Mr. White was there for us to attend certain events uh, in high school or even after high school that our parents couldn't. Mr. White is a Christian man, uh, strong faith. Mr. White married me and my wife. He's been part of our lives, Diaz family, since we were kids. I mean, back in elementary school, he comes to eat at our home very, very often. He is involved in every single family event that we have. We have family services every month at our home with our parents and all the brothers and wives and kids. And Mr. White is involved in our services every month. Our kids, he calls them his nietos and nietas, which is grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he shows up to basketball games for, for our kids that are little, you know, in, in parks and rec basketball. So why would somebody not related to us, right, show up? Why does he care about our kids? And he does. He shows up and he's there and he every birthday he, he there's something there for our kids. And that, that is awesome to see, not just with our family, but he does that with a lot of his runners and just uh, the spiritual aspect as well. The, the movie shows us praying before races. That's all Mr. White. That is uh, straight up Mr. White. He started that. He established that. We uh, always prayed before uh, running. And even after after we after we won or lost, you know, we, we knew that, you know, prayer was important and we, we still prayed as a team. Yeah, not only that, but Mr. White was probably, you know, the person that gave us a lot of our, like, firsts, right? Like, the first time we went to the ocean, that was Mr. White took us. The first time one of us went out of the country, Mr. White took Damasio Mm -hmm. to, where to go, South Germany to go run. And David went to Korea, and my youngest brother, Gabriel, went to China to go represent, you know, the U.S. in, in in a team there so mr white was you know a big part of our family the first time and, st- and still is that is incredible to hear i've heard so many great stories about coach white and definitely someone i have looked up to for many years right. so what do you have any highlights or stories you'd like to tell from your days running at mcfarland anything that really stands out to you Mr. White is a extreme competitor, okay? It's like when the ball goes up, like tonight, the Lakers are going to destroy the Miami Heat, right? We know that. <laughs> um, so when the ball's tipped, right, it's game face on, and, and it's all about competitive nature and try to smash your opponent and it, just instill your will. And that's what he instilled in us. But outside of competitiveness, Mr. White is a great person. He's a lovable guy. He's a prankster. He's a jokester. He's (laughs) constantly trying to just be a a jokester. Mr. White was a a man's man, one of the boys, and he really enjoyed uh, being our coach, and we enjoyed being his his runners. You know, for uh, I'll let my brother, the monster here, in a little bit tell the the story about when we had to switch shoes. Uh, But for me personally, 
is is not so much running that uh, for me Mr. White was teaching us how to be champions in life. It wasn't about winning. If you want a state title, great. If you want a you know a league championship, great. But Mr. White was shaping us to, to be champions in life. That that was his message. That was that was what he was instilling in us to be champions in life. And uh, you know, so many of us became teachers. Why? Because Mr. White was a teacher. We became coaches. Why? Because Mr. White was our mentor, was a coach. And uh, I'm not talking about a, a little bit, a little bit of runners that became coaches. I'm talking about a lot of runners. Uh, year after year, there's their soccer coaches, their basketball coaches, their baseball coaches, their basket. Pretty much all our coaches ran for Mr. White. And, and a lot of them are teaching these days or are administrators, counseling, counselors, because Mr. White was able to show not just not just the talk the talk, but he was walking the walk and teaching us that all these things uh, were going to make us champions in life. Damasio is going to tell a story about how we switched to You asked about a memorable experience in high school. We were at a race, at a high school cross-country race in Menachee High School back in 1987. And Danny and I were running two different races. But back then, we didn't have a lot. Our family was very uh, limited in what we had, supplies, equipment, or shoes, or sweats, or gears. And we ran two different races back-to-back using the same pair of shoes. So, so I run my race, and I finish my race, and immediately take my shoes off in the hand, and his, the gun's going off for his race. <laughs> and we're having to share the same pair of shoes. And... That was a very, very memorable experience for me. You ran first, right? Right. So he ran first, and you won the race. Mm -hmm. He was the number one runner. He won the race, and he's basically at the end, at the shoot, taking his shoes off, throwing them to me. I'm putting them on, running to the starting line, and the gun goes off, and I start my race. Wow. (laughs) He goes ran very well that day, using the same pair of shoes. I got to know what the worst part of it, because they're all sweaty from his run. Both ran well. Well, I gotta believe that maybe he ran fast because he had to get those shoes to you. <laughs> I can tell you a, a more recent memorable story, I guess. This is probably maybe two months ago. I'm out running out there in the fields and you know, several miles out of town. And so, you know, Mr. White, he's on the phone and he calls me. So I'm running, I'm like, ah, oh, Mr. White, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna pick up. I'm running, I'm not gonna pick up. So then you know, about a minute later, he's calling again. I'm like, okay, what what does he want, right? So I answered the phone. I said, hey, what's going on, Mr. White? He's like, where are you at? I said, uh, I'm running right now. Okay, but where are you exactly? I said, uh, I'm out here past Whistler, down this road by some fields, right? And he's like, okay, I'm going to meet you in about a quarter mile. Okay, I'm going to go out there and I'll meet you there. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, you know, I'm running and sure enough, he's driving up in his car through the fields and the dust, right? He's driving up and he's like, hey, I'm going to need you to run for city council. (laughs) (laughs) I said, Mr. White, I'm not going to run for city council. What are you talking about? I'm running right now. Why are you bothering? He's like, you know what? We we got some problems and we got some things we got to sort out and I'm going to need you to run for city council. (laughs) I said, "Uh, no, you're, no. Go ask somebody else. <laughs> he went to go ask another, you know, one of our athletes. 
They're running for city council. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're not going to see any Diego for city council signs popping up along the 99. Anytime soon. Nope. <laughs> Was that the first time you said no to him? <laughs> no, I've said a lot of no's to him. <laughs> a lot of no's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Great stories. Well, I'm going to ask a question that probably a lot of people are wondering after they watch that McFarland movie and even listening to some of your real life stories. How does this small farm town called McFarland produce so many great runners, so many great distance teams? Yeah, I think it starts in about third or fourth grade. And I think David can attest more to that or talk about that. because He's a coach for the elementary kids. Yeah. So, you know, as you, as you well know, running is a very, very difficult sport. And if you, if you want to be a champion year in and year out, you can win a state title, you can win a Valley title one time, but to be the program that McFarland has been for around 40 years, it, it has to be something special and there's nothing less than wow about it. So it has to do with somebody and that credit has to be to, to coach white. And then after that, there's a lot of us that play a little bit of a role in it. And then it just ripples into the effect all the way, as the master said, into the elementary. And we had a really, really good recreation program. And that's where it all started. I coached there for around 19 years or so. And, and it starts there with the young kids and then junior high and then, and then high school. And, you know, cross country, water polo, wrestling. Those are difficult sports. Not a lot of people want to do them because you have to devote a lot of time and effort and it's hard to do. So why we've been able to do it, I think because Mr. White is a mass, was a master uh, motivator. He did whatever, you know, he came to your house, he, he, he talked to the parents and he kept you out there and he made you like something that you didn't really, really like. Who likes to run? <laughs> very, very few people. Who likes to be in pain? Very, very few people. But once you start winning, it's like everything else, you know, it's just addictive and you want to win and you want to get better and better. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we like to do. And it's now synonymous with the city of McFarland. And we want to carry on the, the, the tradition. And it's pretty unfortunate that we're in division one with, with about 900 students at McFarland high school. It's pretty unfortunate and unfair. Yes. I just used the word unfair that they put us in division one to compete with all these high schools that have 3,000 or so. Otherwise, we'd have more accolades and more podium appearances and perhaps maybe one or two more championships. And that goes for the both of the girls and the boys. So if you're listening out there, do um, you know, advocate for McFarland and any other small school that is in a division where they shouldn't be. Uh, division should be based solely on the enrollment at the school, not on how well or how bad you did. So that's how I feel. That's my own personal opinion. And they're penalizing schools and teams and rewarding other teams that don't do as good. How accurate was the portrayal of the McFarland high school cross country team of that era? Well, there's a lot of inconsistencies in the movie, for sure. You know, I, one of the main things for me personally is that they made me chubby, right? <laughs> You can zero in now. Now he is he is chubby. <laughs> I'll take that now. But in high school, I was I was just as skinny as all the rest of the runners. And why Disney chose to add all these extra pounds uh, to Danny Diaz, I, I'll never know. They I, I asked and they never answered my question. But uh, um, 
But I, I will tell you this. I was so upset that they it made me chubby that I went out and I made me a T-shirt that said, I actually put my, my skinny looking high school runner on there. And it said, I am the real Danny Diaz. Letters, <laughs> like, like I wanted everybody, I wanted to show the world that I was indeed skinny. You know what happened was I, I wore that shirt one time. Right after the movie came out, a young lady uh, came with her mom and they drove about 55 minutes uh, and they, they got to my office at McFarland High School and uh, the young lady just was crying. She, she was hugging me. She wouldn't let me go. And after she let me go, two minutes later, we sat down and we started talking and she says, but Danny, you, you don't understand what this movie has done to my life. It, it has transformed who I am today. It, it has changed uh, me completely. As you can see, she said, I am, uh, I am extremely overweight. She was 400 plus, but, but, and, and she was suicidal and she was depressed and her grades all F's. No, her, she hated her mom. She gave me just a list of all these things that she, who she was prior to watching the movie. And she says, but then I watched the movie, Danny, and your character, this chubby guy inspired me to do something with my life. And as you can see, she said, my mom brought me today. I already have a better relationship with my mom. I'm working on my relationship. I love my mom. Uh, my grades Oh my goodness, I got, I'm, I'm in tutoring. They're improving tremendously. You won't notice this, but I've already lost a lot of weight just from uh, getting myself into a, a, a program where I'm running and I'm doing exercise. I, I don't, I don't want to kill myself anymore. I, I don't want to commit suicide anymore. And so she gave me all these positive things that the movie had done for her. And so that evening I went home and I was like, wow, God, you know, the, Things happen for a reason. I mean, you allow all these extra pounds for Danny Diaz in a movie, and here, here's a girl being transformed. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I've never worn that shirt again. I'm okay with uh, the, how they portrayed me. I mean, there are some inconsistencies in the movie. We always, I watch the movie so many times, and we, we like to put a number on there as a, how accurate it really is. And it, it ranges from like 65 to 75% accurate. And so if, if it's about 50%, that's a pretty good, that's based on a true story. And, and our our movie, McFarland USA, is is higher than that. I, I think it's around 60 to 70%, somewhere in there, where it's uh, actually things that did happen. I love that you got to experience meeting that girl. And no offense to any of the other characters, but I have to say that that character is the most inspiring in the movie because yeah. you get to journey with him and see that transformation that happens. And so I love that, that there was a girl who actually took that to heart. That's such a beautiful story and an example of sometimes how God uses the hard things in our stories to inspire others. One of the reasons why we started the Walk, Run, Sword podcast is because we want to talk about the intersection between faith and running. And I know that you all have a strong faith, and I'd love to hear what you think is that connection between faith and running? I will try to do my best to connect with that question and something that I just remembered that happened. What I wanted to say was Danny's character is what it is in the movie, but he's very verbal and intelligent. And he never gave himself the ability to, to showcase his talent on our team. So he was always in the background and he was content being a JV runner. And, and I, as his older brother, tried to push him along to try to 
to get more out of him and try to tell him that he could do more. And, and he was our best frost off runner and, and our best JV runner. And when the time came, as you saw in the movie, he did what he did in, in the movie. And that was true. He went from being the seventh runner. And as you know, as coaches, a seventh runner never scores. But in the state meet, he scored for the very first time. And so what I like to share is that all of us have a Danny Diaz in us. And all of us are going to be called upon one day to stand in that moment to be the Danny. And to be a Danny, you also need a Mr. White to cultivate that as a coach. Mm -hmm. And so I bring up Avocado Lake because what happened to us at Avocado Lake, we were so very, there were, everybody was jealous of us and our, our winning ways. We hadn't lost like in 15 years or so. And we had a, an uncle who wanted to take a shortcut to get to Avocado Lake. So he went the wrong way, in our opinion, and his the, uh, bus driver, sorry, he was driving the bus and he wanted to get there faster. Well, he went, he went the wrong way, actually. And we got there late and it was the league meet. And Coach White's um, wife, Mrs. White, was at the meet and she was telling them they're on their way. They're on their way. And this is before cell phones. This yeah. is 1985. <laughs> and so Danny was a freshman. He was the best freshman around and he was supposed to win the race, right? But we were getting there late and the meet was supposed to start at three o'clock. Well, it's three o'clock and there's no McFarlane at the league championship race. And so without a, a, a team of McFarlane there, somebody else is going to win it. So they're going to start the race. And she kept on saying, no, no, I, I see the bus coming. I see the bus coming. It's entering the park. So Mr. White had told us already, change in the bus. And as soon as we get there, you're not going to have time to warm up or anything. Well, we start to get in Avocado Lake and the gun goes off. The, the frost off race starts. We get there a minute and a half, let's say. The, the kids already ran about a quarter mile. So the bus does not cross the starting line and our frost off boys get off and they're trailing behind the race. Well, guess who won the race as a team? McFarland. Guess who won the individual race? Danny Diaz. Wow, I love it. <laughs> so, so that's a story that we like to share because it really happened. And all of us have a Danny in us. Mm -hmm. So I like to couple that with our spirituality and, and let you know that there's nothing more important than a relationship with God. And as a family, we like to share the, the three pillars of, of our communication is God, family, and education. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you need to have a personal relationship with them. You know, you're not just going to know of God. You need to know God. And how do you know him? Well, you have to spend time with him. And you can spend time with him one of three ways, either praying, reading, or sharing his love and sharing God's word. And to me, in my 51 years, nowhere am I at the, the, the level of Christendom that I would like to be. But I like to hone those skills every day. It's a walk that I try to cultivate every day. And we have a pastor in our family, but more than our pastor, you know, we have a father. And to me, you know, Mr. Diaz, Paul Diaz, who's also in the movie, is our spiritual guide. And he's the person that, that, that we look to and towards uh, emulating. And so my dad's a saint. My mom is human. And, and so that's as far as I can, you know, share with you my relationship with Jesus Christ. I, as far as my dad, you know, we were all excited when uh, we got a phone call from Laredo, Texas, saying they were inviting us to go to Texas because they were going to induct our team into the, the uh, Hispanic Hall of Fame, right? This is the only Hispanic Hall of Fame in the United States. 
and they were going to induct our team and our coach. And so they wanted uh, some of the runners to go out there and receive the plaque and be there for the ceremony. So I, I go to my dad's house. I'm like, dad, oh my goodness, man. You know, we're going to be in the Hall of Fame, the Hispanic Hall of Fame in Laredo, Texas. And what an opportunity. And, you know, and here I am so excited. And my dad's looking at me and he says, son, calm down. All right. <laughs> this is nothing to get excited about. Being in a Hall of Fame is not our, our, our goal. That, that, that's great. But uh, what's important, son, is that our name be written in the book of life. And, and so that was like, wow. I was like. Man, here I am, so excited about being in you know, a Hispanic Hall of Fame. And then my dad is is telling us that hey, the only thing that matters is our name in our book of in the book of life. My dad is a spiritual man. We learned so much from him, and we are who we are because because of our dad. And and Mr. White is on the same level as a spiritual mentor. Mr. White has has been so inspiring for many of us. And your question was about relating running to our faith several different places in the Bible, it talks about the Christian walk and the fact that it's a marathon. It's a long race. It's not a short sprint. You know, there are going to be days or seasons when you might not be at your best, when you might make mistakes, or you may even fall or fail. But the Christian walk is a long race. It's a marathon. All of us here have ran marathons. Diego's ran the most but we've all ran numerous marathons. And so we understand the trials that exist during the marathon race, that those last six miles are the most difficult. The first 15 or 18 are not that hard, but that last, last turn is hard. Same thing happens in our Christian walk. There are seasons that are very simplistic and very easy and everything's going great. And God is at the peripheral. But then you fall or you make a mistake or things happen and now you really need God. And so you find God during those times of difficult things going on in your life. And so we all understand what it takes to be a pretty decent runner, distance runner. And we all understand the, I guess, the, the meaning of that Christian walk. And watching our father, who's 81 years old now, and has been a Christian for 70 years almost, and watching him and watching Coach White, they are our examples. And we do our best to try to follow their lead. There's so much in the Bible, especially the Apostle Paul talks a lot about the, the Christian life as being like a race. And there's so many great lessons that we can learn from running. So thank you for just articulating that for us today. That's that's just a beautiful testament to how God created our bodies to run. And he's going to teach us lessons as we do that. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on today. It's just been a joy to hear some of your stories and to laugh with you. And we want to thank you for illuminating some more of what it's like to run at McFarland High. Today's coaching tip is on interval training. Interval training is where you run some really hard, really fast sessions, maybe like 
for 100 meters or 200 meters or 400 meters or even all the way up to a mile where you're running as fat, hard as you can, as fast as you can for a specific distance or possibly period of time, say a hard minute or two. Before you begin interval training, which really helps you accelerate your speed, your strength and endurance, you want to prepare your body for the hard workouts. And what you can do is make sure you're running at least three times a week for a month. And during some of those runs, try to stick in some surges, not all out sprints, but just pick up the pace, increase the tempo for 30 seconds or even 60 seconds. This will give your legs and your lungs a chance to transition to be prepared for interval workouts down the road. Before we close, I just wanted to share a few more details with you about our book. Walk Run Soar is a 52-week devotional and training journal designed for runners and walkers who long to experience God's presence in a deeper way as they pound the pavement or traverse the trails. Walk Run Soar gets you moving with a little bit different motivation. The motivation is knowing Jesus more every step of the way. And we wrote this book, Sean and I wrote it together just for you. It's a book that includes training plans, as we mentioned, reflection questions, space for journaling about your workout or something that God might be showing you along the way. And this book is a great option for Christmas gifts for all your runner friends and family. So we want to encourage you to check it out. It's available on Amazon and all the places where books are sold. It's available in ebook form, paperback, hardback, and audiobook form if you prefer to listen rather than read. And be sure to check out the Walk, Run, Soar Runner's Quiz. It's a 15-question quiz which helps you find out which biblical runner you're like. Are you like Peter or Esther or Mary Magdalene or possibly Paul? There are 10 different runners that you could possibly be matched up with based on the 15 answers that you provide. So hop on over to DarinaGilmer.com and find the Walk, Run, Soar Runner's Quiz there. We also want to invite you to subscribe to our weekly Glory Graham newsletter. So right there in the same spot at DarinaGilmore.com is a place to sign up for the Glory Graham. And this is a special VIP newsletter that I put out. It includes an inspirational story every week and a list of recommendations for great books, videos, music, running tips from Sean and more. So we would love to connect with you more personally through the weekly Glory Graham. Thanks for joining us today. This was episode 10 of the Walk, Run, Soar podcast, where we talk about the intersection of running and faith. And we hope that you will just take a minute and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review because this actually helps other friends find our podcast.